And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are live from the bunker deep beneath world headquarters here in Kansas City, where it has been raining, and it sounds like we're expecting snow. I'm going to call it a glitch in the matrix, because we're not supposed to get snow this late. Shout out to everybody who is listening to this program as a podcast. We're on a number of different players. We got listeners in Canada, New Zealand, Japan, uh, Romania, Germany. So happy to have all of you with us. And we do invite you to check out the show when it airs live. And we are live to uh, YouTube, Facebook, and Odyssey right now. Speaking of Facebook, I tried to post something this uh, this morning. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into what it was but facebook didn't like it don't tell me we're not in a curated reality because you know social media being the way it is we're always either having our reality crafted for us or we're putting on a false front right we are available on a number of different social media platforms you can find us there feedback you can send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com and we do invite you to sign up for our newsletter over at the website or uh, in the show notes here. There is a link as well. Uh, I, I mentioned that I am the editor here. I've got 33 years in media, which means that I know everything's made up and the points don't matter. It's all a manufactured reality, folks. It just is that way. And speaking of manufactured realities, that gives me my entry point. See what I did there? Gives me my entry point into today's topic. We are talking about the new anthology Mixed Realities, which is a collection of short stories and novellas, stories that will make you question the universe. And the premise begins with us living in a a simulation, a computer simulation. Naomi Augustine is the author. She joins us this morning, this afternoon. Hello. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me. Sure. Thanks for being here. So let me let me start. If if you would give me the Reader's Digest version of uh, of the book blurb, so people we have a we have a common frame of reference here for our starting point. Awesome. Yeah, I can do that. So the book is a collection of stories um, that poke at the squishy parts of the universe, as I like to call it. Um, it kind of talks about various concepts in physics, technology, philosophy. I set the entire premise inside of a giant computer simulation that contained many versions of our world. They're all real, or, or are they? Um, so each chapter follows a different character or a set of characters in one of those worlds, and I try to tie them all together at the end. Um, the characters from each story eventually meet. They, they think something's going on, something strange is going on. They think they're in a simulation and they go on the quest to find out what's outside and who is behind it all. Um, so it is a, I like that you said anthology because it's actually a collection of novellas and I can explain explain myself and why I picked that format. Sure. Um, yeah, but I wanted to try something different. So it's a little unusual format for a fiction book. Um, well, and, and a collection, you know, a collection of shorter stories is not is not too terribly unusual for a first outing. You know, you're you're mm-hmm. this is your yeah. first book, your debut, and um, the the idea here about the 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 shared perception that we're all you know things are just a little off. <laughs> It, it kind of bleeds over into real life sometimes. I mean, you you and look even at, the physicists can't explain right what reality is. Right. There well, and different points of view. It's like no one really knows. And your background is in this kind of thing anyway. I mean, from a from a science standpoint, you're a technology researcher. You 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 are in that world of augmented and extended realities. I mean, you even got a little bit on this because you've got QR codes inside the book. 
that link to uh, a musical soundtrack yeah. that the music plays while you're reading the book. I understand. I mean, does that? How, how did you come up with the idea for that? Was it just a, a, an experiment on a whim? You said, "Hey, I wonder if we could do this," or was there a, a particular plan to that? No, it was totally unplanned. <laughs> My uh, The way I write was, you know, I have a bunch of tracks that I'd like to listen to to help me kind of get in, get into the mood of the scenes and characters and stuff. So I had playlists. I would listen to the same song over and over when I'm writing a scene. Um, there's actually two stories involving a musician as a character. I think one of them, actually there's three. One of them plays a cello, one of them plays a clarinet and another one plays the bass guitar and you know there there are scenes where they're on stage and playing and um i use qr codes all the time for for my work in ar and i just put one in and i was like oh i'll just use this for the the only the moments where there's actually music happening in the scene but i decided to do it for the whole book um because i kind of wanted this to feel like you're reading a TV series a little bit. Um, actually, a lot of these were screenplays first. You know, oh, okay. Ten, 10 years ago, and then they sat around collecting dust. I wrote them and didn't do anything with them. I think I just wanted to write without a goal in mind. Um, but one day I said, wow, I wrote a lot of stuff, you know, over the years. I should do something with them. So I, I looked at them again. I decided to make a book out of them. So I transposed 120 page screenplay into, you know, block of text and it turned out to be 40 to 50 pages long. I'm like, okay, so this is kind of like a TV anthology in book form and the soundtracks made sense. So I really like how that came out. <laughs> so when when you're writing uh, and and doing this, how much are you drawing on inside baseball information, stuff that you know from your research, and it might be a little bit esoteric, and maybe you got to go back in and explain some of it. But how much of yeah. that is in is in these stories? Uh, quite a bit, I would say. Um... A lot of the story ideas came to me while in college, sitting in physics lectures, and then later on at tech conferences and even at my work. Um, the first chapter in the book um, specifically talks about using augmented reality to like hollow port people between three locations. And then you can't tell who's a real person, and who's a digital person. Right. That actually came from an actual project, um, a few projects that I worked on. And I so remember... I kinda Fast forwarded, right? It's it's like let's pretend this is twenty fifty one instead of twenty twenty or whenever I worked on that. And well, and I see there's a there's a new technology that's come out. Originally, it was called Portal. I can't remember what it's called, what they changed the name to, but it's basically a hologram cabinet where you, cabinet. Know, you have oh, okay. you have the people you have the people that are sitting on a soundstage with the cameras at one at one location. And then this this unit is somewhere else, and it gives you a three-dimensional hologram that looks like they're actually standing there inside the box. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, it's, and it's stuff like that where you start to see the implications of how concerning this could be. Because we must, we must proceed with caution, I, right? I mean, just because a lot of cool you can, innovation, but yeah. you know, we have to think it through. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we're capable of thinking it all the way through to to the final final stages. There, I mean, what was it in Jurassic Park? Just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you ought yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. So, you have a habit of doing that as a species. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and it's yeah. I see the stuff. You know, I mentioned Facebook going into this. I see the stuff that Meta is doing. And, you know, some people just are really dismissive. Oh, it's just a, a, an enhanced 3D version of The Sims. It doesn't mean anything. It's not going to be anything, any, any big deal. But then you look at something like Caprica, for instance, the Battlestar Galactica prequel, where, yeah. where that, that metaverse figured into a lot of the plot. And then you've got things like Ready Player One. You've got yep. The Matrix, of course. You've got Inception. 
all of these different stories where reality kind of bends in on itself. Are, are you looking to any of those stories as influence as well as your own research? Um, I think a lot of the inspiration came from reading a lot of Philip K. Dick books. And, you know, one of my favorite movies is Total Recall that kind of has like a, a reality bending in itself kind of thing. It's, it's half technology based, could be dream. Um, so the, those types of things I drew inspiration from. Definitely love The Matrix, of course. What do the, the, the whole simulation thing I added to my book was kind of done at the very end because I had uh, written the seven novellas. They were loosely related, but I needed this wrapper story, right. like a contain, creative container. Um, so I, I chose that container okay let's put them in a simulation it's kind of like you're you're playing an mmorpg and you have these different servers with players on them they're not talking to each other they're all kind of existing parallel inside this giant server <laughs> now how much research did you do into the simulation hypothesis to begin with like the original thing from nick brostrom was that was that something you you looked up extensively and here's all of the information or it's just we're tapping into the zeitgeist where that's is almost a meme. You know, we're living in the simulation and and it's not really a thing. Yeah, it's 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 more more. I would maybe not a meme, but I wasn't trying to be serious with the simulation bit in yeah. the book. I did read about you know the holographic principle from a, like a physics perspective to see if there's anything any interesting nuggets I could borrow from that. Yeah, let me let me give you a nugget for your second collection. Are you familiar with the implicate reality theory? Oh, I am not. The implicate reality theory basically says that reality around you is implied and it doesn't exist until you observe it directly or interact oh, with it. Oh, that's very quantum so mechanics. Everything behind me <laughs> is not real until I turn around and make it real. And and yep. the idea is that, you know, since we all each live in our own heads, this is our reality. This out here is not. And it's based on our perceptions and the things that we have through our senses and, and that sort of thing. The fact that this is not, not actually real. Which yep. uh, it makes for great science fiction, but, you know, I, I don't yeah, until know. Until you look at it, right? It doesn't right? exist. It's, yeah. it's kind of the, the quantum mechanics. You have to observe it to collapse the wave function thing. Right. And how much does your observation of a thing affect the thing you know it goes back yeah. to that you know experiments being being affected by just the 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 act of observing it it, it, it like is double slit experiment and, and that stuff yeah really i mean it's fun me, to contemplate it's it keeps me up at night <laughs> <laughs> but what if but what if i put what if i put swiss cheese on the burger instead of american you know that kind of thing keeps you up till three o'clock in the morning right Schrodinger's cat and I love all that stuff. <laughs> right? Yes. It's what was it? What was the joke that we had here about Schrodinger? Because um, we were making we were making a bit out of something. Not not Schrodinger's cat. It was Schrodinger's something. What? I don't even remember what it was. Business boss is looking at me like I'm like I'm losing my mind. That's entirely <laughs> possible too. Um, I don't know. Mazers in the chat point uh, posts the uh, link to your website. Let me pull that up here for just a second because this is uh, this is it's it's a nice uh, nice site here. You grew Thank up, you. I made it. <laughs> grew up in Japan. Bachelor's in physics from University of California, Berkeley. Uh, aerospace, gaming, and augmented reality. So you're into a lot of different things, not just. Uh, not just science fiction related, but you're in the tech world uh, yeah. and then co-founder of QXR Studios, which is augmented and extended reality. What What is it that you guys do with that? Yeah, so we actually formed the studio um, after we all left Magic Leap, the, the AR company. Um, we wanted to do something. We wanted to use AR to tell stories, I guess. We're looking for different formats. It's It's kind of related to you know, the, the book format that I, I tried, but, you know, like immersive theater, um, trans, transmedia storytelling, like you start with something physical, you end up on the website, you go out into the physical world. Uh, what else? We're not doing so much VR stuff. It's, it's more, more AR and fusing that with 
with um, yeah different kinds of, of storytelling. So we write screenplays, we make web comics, we write novels. Now we the do the augmented reality design stuff. and stuff. Yeah, the augmented reality stuff. That's stuff that's on the mobile phone. So you're you're somewhere. You can hold up the phone and there's something on the screen that's not really out there, but it's in internal, right? Is it? Yeah. Have yeah. you have you progressed? in the research to do anything with things like Google Glass or, or AR goggles or, or anything like that? Is that the next step? Um, so we actually did that at Magic Leap. Um, I joined them in 2015. Uh, we were really a young company at that point. I think we had 200 people, but we were building you know, the headset, the goggles, the AR goggles. And you just put the thing on and then you, you see holograms that are intelligent. They, they know where your furniture is. They know where the floor is. Um, you can get something to follow like your eyeballs. <laughs> you can control holograms using your voice or your hands. So we did that um, at Magic Leap for about six to seven years. I would say the, it's coming along. The hardware is maturing. Um, it's not ready for prime time in the sense that you know, you're not going to really see people walking around outside wearing them and have it replace phones quite yet. But um, I, I've seen it evolve and 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 accelerate pretty rapidly. The idea of technology becoming that I'll, I'll be I'll be charitable and say integrated. Some people would say yeah. invasive. Uh, there was a story here not too long ago. Uh, uh, and I want to say it was, I can't even remember who it was. It might have, it might have been, uh, it, was, it was related to advertising, but basically it was a way to track your eyeballs on what you saw and what you looked at and what you paid attention to. And I looked at this and I thought, oh, no, no, ah! no thanks, no thanks. <laughs> but it's that kind of thing. I mean, there are concerns are there not for for this kind of technology to be misused? Shall we say the the, yeah, the a, idea? We of, need we need a lot of privacy designed into this thing because we had eye tracking in there initially in hopes that you know you can just look at something and move an object, but there's there's so much other stuff. It's a it's a loaded piece of of a feature, right? <laughs> right. Well, and, and you got to wonder when, when you have, you know, people like Steve Jobs who don't allow their kids to have the internet or the, or the mobile devices or anything like that. Is that course, true? We hear all of these stories about uh, the iGen, the, you know, the generation that's just so wired into everything. And it does have an effect on mental development, socialization skills, and all these other things. And... I have to wonder, you know, all of this, all of this technology, especially the theoretical stuff. I look there and I and I question whether or not we actually should be doing it because, right. you know, yeah, I the older I get, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Star Trek, have been all my life, and for the longest time, I thought, you know, it would be really cool to live in that in that world, in that kind of a of a place. But the older I get and the more I really stop and think about the implications of some of these things, I think, mm, maybe not so much. You know, I, I think we're we're leaning more toward Blade Runner than Star Trek at this point. <laughs> you know, yeah, I can just, see that. I can see uh, that. Because, I, I totally get what you mean. I work in, I've worked in tech for so long, but recently I feel like I need tech breaks. Right. After a long, long day of working on the computer prototyping, you know, just being in tech all, all day. Like I, I, I need to take, I need to take a week off and just go into the forest with a book. <laughs> right. But how <laughs> like do you... More and more so, like, I feel like I need more and more breaks. Yeah. But how do you know and... that forest is real, Naomi? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but no, but the, the idea, and I've seen, I've seen a lot of people talking about this now, you know, I need to take a break from social. I'm going to be gone for a week. I'm going to disconnect. I'm going to get out yeah, of here. Yeah. And for your sanity, <laughs> it really does feel like people are starting to wake up to the mental health implications of just being so immersed in social media and YouTube and, and, and the web. And maybe it's not such a good idea that we have, you know, a 
24/7 connection into everything. You know, walking around with our mobile devices and our iPads, and we've got the you know the the PC towers and everything. Yeah, we're yeah. we're we're on the web all the time. It's it's kind of a scary thing to contemplate. I know. I always have to kind of do self checks. Like, how long have I been staring at the screen? Oh no, I've been on my phone for an hour. <laughs> No well, scrolling, turn it off. <laughs> and you have the you have those little apps that kind of ding you and and do those yeah. things like little digital virtual reality managers are already a thing, I guess for some people. So we got a yeah, question. and this is just talking about flat screens still, right? It's still yeah. just computer computer laptops, mobile phones. It's just, what's it going to be like when it's all three D and all around you all the time? It's exponentially more more. Uh, complicated uh we got a question in the chat from mazurus in the subject of multiple alternate realities as applied to fiction do you feel there's a genre or a type that doesn't get explored enough or something you'd like to see explored more in terms of the kinds of multiple reality alternate reality types of stories that are out there already i guess yeah, it's kind of turned into its own subgenre. Mm -hmm. I noticed when I was trying to pick, you know, from a drop-down menu of where does my book, uh, where does my book fall in the subcategory of science fiction? There was actually one for alternate realities or parallel worlds or, or, or something like that. Um, is this a is this a subgenre that you want to stay in for a while, or is that it just we're we're one and done, and you want to do something else now? Uh, I think, I think I'll switch to something else. I have book two in the works, um, but it has nothing to do with, um, alternate realities or parallel worlds or really reality bending so much. Is there um, a particular type of story you've really got to burn to tell that maybe you, you aren't quite ready to, to do it yet, or you're just getting started on it or. Yeah. So one of the, uh, stories I converted from screenplay into a novella spans like centuries after centuries, really long time. Um, it's, it's titled The Flight of the Almost Immortals. So these people live a very long time. I thought about making that its own full-length novel by itself. So it has, the world has room to breathe and characters can you know, um, have more time um, but in the end, I decided to put it in, and it's it's a 40, 50-pager. I, I still kind of want to explore that world. I, I did five or six years of world building on that thing, and I would not want to just walk away from it. So I might turn that into a whole whole story. It, it's, it's one of those things where you do so much work on something, and it <laughs> becomes it becomes this thing. I've got to finish it. Or, or it's going to kill me, but I will finish this. I, I, I can totally understand spending a lot of time on something. You just definitely want to see it all the way to the end. Whether it's going to pay off or not, you're just like, I've, I've got to finish this. I'm so invested yeah. in this now. Um, I don't even know what the payoff is for me because I just, I don't really care about sales or making money so much. Like I just, I have my brain is really full. I have to tell these stories. <laughs> well, pick, pick a format to tell the story and sometimes I paint and... Yeah. Other times I want to write a, a screenplay. I love I love writing books. I like reading books. And, and you say you're not really all that interested. You know, well, depending on the sales, it doesn't really. You know, that's not the big primary driver for you. Um, yeah. are, if if this thing blows up and suddenly we're looking at a mixed realities television show and, and maybe a series of films or that, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna turn your nose up at it though, right? Oh, no, I'll definitely do it. I started off really visual, and they were originally written yeah. for the visual format, so it makes it makes sense to me. Some of them read like a movie. Like, I kept all the dialogue kind of intact, so deliberately trying to get that fast pace and a character exchange. Um, when, you're when you're designing your characters, you're doing your world building, how much are you drawing from your own experiences your own own social circles the people around you because you're in you're in a uh, a somewhat different social sphere as far as tech goes because most people out there are not involved in that kind of thing and and i, I imagine it probably draws in a certain personality type 
Not, all kind not, of not hardcore be... tech geeks kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> so, we all want, there... we all like the same stuff. Everyone's reading science fiction. We watch science fiction. Yeah. So We're are kind there of similar tastes on it? Everyone loves Star Trek, of course. Got to love course, Star Trek, of course. So are there people in your life that make it into the books? Yeah, I think so. Um, trying to pick an example. Ah, yes, there's chapter five. It's called Running Out of Luck. It's about a group of gamers. Um, there's protagonist is a particularly unlucky character. An apocalypse hits, and then she figures out how to game society, and then they go off and kind of relive their, their RPG characters. Um, that's definitely based off of um, my gaming group. I had a group of four of us. We would play World of Warcraft and League of Legends, StarCraft, and and... You know, we'd be always together, and I, I, I totally wrote them in, but I used our um, gamer tags instead of real names. Right. <laughs> Are you okay? So one of the things that I've noticed uh, a, a, a frequent complaint in the comics industry of late, <clears throat> besides the quality of the stories that are coming out of DC and Marvel, there's been a lot of observation and speculation that many of these writers are now inserting themselves into the stories. They're making themselves the 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 lead character or supporting character. A lot of self-insertion <laughs> is going on. And people don't seem to be responding to that in a in a positive way. Uh is is there a little bit of Naomi Augustine and all of the characters or did you try to make sure that I'm not in this. This is not me, you know, making a speech or, or, or riffing on a theme or whatever. It's just these are the characters and this is who they are. Now, you know, the gamer group notwithstanding because you're obviously a part of that one. Yeah. But is there anything that you tried to avoid from an author perspective going into these stories? Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of me in every single character, just just because I'm the one that came created them. So you know, many of them are 100% fictional. Um, so I I try to make them very different. I gave them their own problems and moral compasses. Um, it's kind of part of my world building process. You now I come up with an idea for a character. They're genderless to begin with. Then I kind of write backstory like, oh, where do they live? What do they hate? What do they like? Are they against or oppose a certain um, idea? Like, what's what's their viewpoint on things? And then I write another character that's kind of deliberately the opposite of that character. And then I kind of do that process over and over. And then I deliberately put them into scenes and make them argue about something. <laughs> <laughs> that's like my favorite style. Um, but I don't think it can be, it can really be helped writing yourself in a little bit. Yeah. Well, um, and it's interesting that you st that you start the characters genderless. That that's, I do, yeah. That, is there a particular reason for that? I'm actually, like, gender fluid I'm by gender. So some, sometimes I feel very male, sometimes I'm female. So I think my starting point is always kind of in that in-between in between spot. Okay. Um, I have done... Many times I would write the whole story, you know, finish it. And then at the end, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to change the main character to a guy. Let's do that. Let's just do it for fun. <laughs> so I'd go back and, you know, give the character a different name and just change all the she's to he's. And, and then it's like, wow, nothing's really changed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, you know, the, that aspect of a, of a story, and a lot of people have talked about, you know, complained about, um, I, I, I say complained, made the observation that a lot of modern-day authors, new authors especially, are getting to the point where <clears throat> their story is compromised by some kind of message or agenda or anything like that. We have to have the strong female character or whatever. And, yeah. and your, your approach would seem to be anathema to that. It is, it's, it's almost the complete opposite. It reminds me of the character of Ellen Ripley, because Ripley was originally written as a male character, and oh. then they brought, they brought Sigourney Weaver in and, and flipped the, the gender of the character, but didn't really change anything in the character. 
And the character really works because the character was written to be this character that does this thing in this story. It's it you know it's not driven by gender. Yeah. And a lot of people are seeing you know the you know for example the the battle over the Hugos and this this idea that you know your message your agenda your lecture your speech your preaching should be right there front and center in front of everybody let's hit you with a 2 by 4 in front of you know in your head <laughs> message 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 as opposed to telling a good story that's something that entertains yeah. and and your approach sounds like it's more of the latter i it, where it's not about the gender of the character it's about what the character does and what the character is about which is yeah, refreshing the, oh thanks yeah I, i'm a very concept driven person um you know the the reason why i wanted to write is because oh like a a, a weird physics theory um intrigued me in in school it's like oh, i want to write something about quantum mechanics so i start there and then i b- start building the layers of the onion around okay what's the world like all right what what are the characters what's what's their problem like i always like to start with the character has a problem they're working through some stuff and then you know build the the plot that way i've, I've gone into arguments you know with other writers it's like, you're doing it backwards <laughs> <laughs> you're starting with a concept I'm like yeah i really want to write write about uh, like some some weird math thing, like gradient descent. My husband's like, "What is that?" <laughs> it's topology. I want to write about topology. He's like, "That's not how you do storytelling." Yeah, well, like, and well, it is for me. <laughs> you talk about you know the characters have have things that they want, that things they need, and I I look at it when I'm writing something. One of the things that I'd come up with is. You know, not necessarily looking at it in terms of good guys and bad guys, protagonists, antagonists, but you have each character in the story, each character in the scene wants something. Yeah. And whether that want is something beneficial to society or beneficial to me or it's beneficial to somebody else, or the, the motivations of whatever they want can be, you know, heroic or villainous or whatever. But whether it's a, a short story or a screenplay or a novel, each of your characters in that scene, even if it's the NPC back there in the back, I just want to get out and not get killed. You know, everybody <laughs> wants something. Wants something. <laughs> and, and when those wants come into opposition with each other, there's your conflict that drives the story. And, yeah. and it sounds like a little bit like what you're doing where you're setting up the concept, you're setting up the idea where here's... Here's where the characters are starting the problems that they need to solve. And now, you know, this character over here, this character over here, maybe they have goals that are in opposition to each other. So I... It's... That, was, that was fun. Like I have uh, uh, four characters that became immortal by accident. And they all have... They all disagree, right, about what, they're, what they should be doing next right. like with their lives. <laughs> that was fun to write. So if you had, if you, if you suddenly found yourself to be immortal, would your goals change? No, but I would slow down a little bit, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I have to write, I have to write 10, 10 novels in five years. Okay. Maybe I can stress that out. Stress that out a little bit. Take a break every now and again. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Speaking of which, we are going to take a break here at the half hour and uh, let Google ads do their thing when we get back we're going to talk a little bit more about augmented reality of things because uh, i've got i've got uh, i've got a particular question to ask we will do that right after this don't go anywhere we're not puny gods just puny podcasters this is sci-fi for me radio we found out the president of of wizards of the coast just got promoted and is now going to be running hasbro and here, this whole time, we were sitting there thinking that they were getting ready to sell Wizards of the Coast. And they might. Maybe we, we want to keep him. All of the rest of you go away. The H2O Podcast, Monday night at 8, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Good morning, Multiverse. Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Back.
back live from the bunker. Jason Hutt here, along with my guest, Naomi Augustine. She is the author of a new collection of stories called Mixed Realities, based on the premise that uh, we are living in a computer simulation. And I want to I want to run this idea past you because you you have some you have some thoughts. You said. Uh, yes. There is a new, a new, a new short film, <clears throat> a new animated short film called "The Well," uh, and this article here that I'm that I'm bringing up, this is from Unreal Engine's website because the people that are making this movie uh, are using Unreal Engine to generate the entire environment, not just not just the background stuff, because we see this a lot with, you know, like the Mandalorian and and these new studios that are set up for digital environments that we don't have to go out on location. We can just bring it all in here and we can manipulate it digitally in real time and you can still interact with it. It's almost like the, the, uh, the evolution of the reverse projection, the rear projection process from the, the thirties and forties. <clears throat> and you've got this thing now where as they're going through, as Treehouse Digital is the production company, and as they're going through developing this this project, they decide, well, not just the digital environment, we'll, we'll use Unreal Engine to create the digital characters as well, because there's this new tool called the MetaHuman Creator, mm-hmm. and they've got an early access program here where you can actually create digital characters, digital people, and I mean, I'm, you look at this, and I'm assuming that these are digital characters right here that that we're looking at, and it looks it looks really close. They look they look so real, <laughs> scary close. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, I don't want any part of this. This is this is fraught with the potential for bad things to happen. Who's right? real anymore? Right? <laughs> what do you think about something like this? I mean, in, in, this is your world. You're, you're yeah, into technology is. and all of this. Is this just a natural progression of things? Or are we going too far? I, I'm also from games, too, so this stuff is not surprising to me. Over the years, I've, I've seen video game characters go from, you know, pixelated to polygon shaped and they just became more 3D and more real and more high fidelity and hyper realistic, you know, over the last 20 years. So this is something I got used to seeing. Um, It's, I think it's, it's not so much an AR thing, but in technology in general, we, we just have this urge to mimic real life quite a bit and i'm not sure what the goal is right do we just want to make an exact replica of the real world using technology if so what's why right and a lot of the time you know when innovation is happening so quickly i worry that we're not asking all the questions right before we dive in and start building stuff like, like you said earlier, just because we can doesn't mean we should. Right. Well, and I think <laughs> generally uh, when you look at, you know, advancements in technology, a lot of times the ethical questions and the regulatory type of questions usually follow at a much slower pace. And by the time they catch up, we're already on to the next thing and the whatever potential harm has probably already been done. I mean, you look at what uh, what Zuckerberg and Facebook are trying to do with their metaverse, and you know, it's it's this is not a real person. Why would you want to interact with a real person? But at the same time, if you're creating this person, this this digital representative, I there's a there's an app called Rep. Replica, replica AI, or something like it. Basically, you you can create your own friend. Yeah, and it's uh, it calls to mind the movie Her, where Joaquin Phoenix's character falls in love with an artificial intelligence. You know, it's this voice on the on the mobile. In the movie, it's just a voice, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah. And but you extend that out, and you know. Well, what happens when people want to have relationships with artificially generated characters, with with 
people who are not real. And then the question of, well, if these are generated by an AI, if they're an algorithm that, you, you yes, you put in some of the pieces, but if you get machine learning in there and it basically kind of takes off on its own and starts learning and developing and growing, and does it become sentient? Do we treat it like it's sentient? Does it suddenly have to have rights and privileges like everybody else? I mean, the, the questions that start coming to, to the fore on this are... I don't think anybody's really asking these questions. Not not considering the possible knock-on effects right, that right. Ripple, ripple through our whole world, right? Well, and I you know, we're you know, like we talked about before, we're so we're so plugged into to social media and the web anyway. And you now have this. And I was like, okay, well, when we get to the holographic projectors in the house, you could have this digitally created artificial intelligence person interact with you in the house. I'm like, do I want that? <laughs> Unsure. <laughs> Not sure. No. Yeah, my my first chapter of the book, it's called Smart Cities. It's about a, a farmer who is displaced um and gets, you know, relocated to this high tech smart city hub. And, you know, he experienced this tech shock and um, the first person he meets is a digital host right. person. You know, he's completely artificial, and he gets he gets the uh, character, you know, acquainted with with the the new environment. Um, he sees a bunch of people walking around, right? But the the kind of surprise is that two thirds of them are projected from another city two other cities outside. And so there's this like, three-way um, like cross-projection thing happening. So he's accidentally passing through some people, but then he will bump into a person for reals. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of, it's part cautionary tale and also supposed to be a little bit optimistic um, in a sense that the point of the story was for humans and AIs to kind of work together and, and solve world problems and things like that. But I do like layer in some like, think about this for a second. Do you really want it? There's actually dialogue. It's like, why would you do that? <laughs> like, well, we thought the humans might like it. It's like, are you sure? <laughs> this sounds horrible. <laughs> there's a, there's a Bruce Willis movie called surrogates. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. know if you're, you're familiar with basically. Yes, it's, I've seen it you know, we're we're walking around inside robots. Yeah, we're we're plugged into the to the couch at home. Yeah. And instead of instead of diving into a simulation, the the robot comes to life and is interacting with with people out in the real world cuz you know, we don't want to we don't want to interact with people ourselves. <laughs> I don't I don't want to have anything to do with people. And the older I get, the more I'm like that, but I don't want to wear a robot suit or get into AR. Or, or or VR or Meta or whatever. I want the cabin in the woods so I can get away from people. You know, it's like there's too much. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> it just it just feels like we're getting so out of control with this. And you know the 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 debates about Section 230 of the Federal Communications Act. You know, those we've blown past that concern. Yeah. You know where we you know yes. Congress needs to have something done to address that kind of thing. But we're way past that point where we have to work. We've got other things that are threatening or, or have the potential to threaten. Yeah, it's like we're stacking problems on top of each other. Right. Adding new ones before we solve the old ones. Yeah, we're, we're setting <laughs> up our own cascade failure loop, right? Yeah. <clears throat> At what point, though, does it become... A, a, a concern enough that you think people might take a step back and sit there and go, okay, hang on, let's let's tap the brakes for a second. Do you ever see a moment like that coming where enough people would say, let's pause? Or I have we, never seen that the in the history of humanity. <laughs> <to> say, <laughs> right. Hang on a second. Maybe we should pause. No, we, we like to just run straight at things. Yeah. It just it it boggles my mind how how reckless we can be sometimes, and I have to wonder 
on my on my more contemplative meditative days i have to wonder <laughs> if today's society is so fixated on tech and the and the and the manufactured reality that technology affords us because we've we've lost a spiritual connection almost you know there are a lot of people nowadays who 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 don't claim a faith for example they don't have a belief and the belief system we're made as human beings we're made to believe in something whether we believe in ourselves or we believe in each other we believe in god or you know whatever and if we don't have something to believe in well let's just throw this artificial universe in here so you could believe in that <laughs> If you don't like this one, there's uh, infinite other ones that you can go to instead. Right? You know, just tweak the <laughs> algorithm a little bit and make everybody blonde or make everybody a redhead or whatnot. And and it's and it's I think that dependency we're getting a little bit too dependent on technology to do things for yeah. us. We can customize everything to our liking. And right. and then you have, you know, like you see in China, you have you have these various places where if your social media score is X you don't get to do certain things. Yeah. You don't get to travel. You don't get to go to the movies or the concerts. You don't, you don't get or, to go to a certain school. Or, or have particular yeah, types of jobs or anything like that. And it's like the Black Mirror episode. <laughs> is, that, is that more possible the closer we get to this meta-universe meta existence? It's, it's probably going to be more possible. Um, I hope we don't get there because we, we do solve some things i'm hoping that's that's something that we won't allow to to spin out of control too much i mean you I, saw I, what I, happened in canada i hate, I hate because, social media <laughs> yeah well i mean you look at what happened in canada with the with the the trucker convoy and stuff and and there were uh certain actions taken where bank accounts got frozen you know you can't access your money and it's all digital currency anyway. I mean, nobody's got cash anymore. We're trying to, you know, there's this push to go to a cashless society yeah. where everything's a digital thing and you've got a card and you've got a chip and whether or not you're in the metaverse or in, uh, in reality, let me, let me go to the ATM and I want to pull out 50 bucks. Oh, sorry, you need to delete this tweet first before we let you have your money. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's as, as fantastical and as... as absurd as that sounds we're there yeah it's, it's like that's that could be a worrisome actual thing that might happen <laughs> <laughs> i don't know we, it's like uh we don't understand a lot of the technology that we use day to day yeah and then we're, we're going to trust all of our our money <laughs> with it, or you know our health information like in, biometrics and things like that in your work in tech and and augmented reality extended reality and stuff like that do you do you foresee a, a possibility is there a, a point where machine learning gets to the the stage where we don't have control over it anymore i mean i know right now Everything is garbage in, garbage out. Uh, uh, the the algorithms you look at social media algorithms they work off of whatever information they were programmed by a human being says. Okay, you look for this, you get rid of this, and all that. And we've seen how all of that gets abused with copyright strikes and false flagging and and brigading and review bombs and that sort of thing. Is there a potential for the machine learning? To get so far beyond what we initially programmed that it becomes not necessarily sentient, but it starts to think for itself and make decisions on its own that may not necessarily benefit us. Would you be surprised if I told you that we can't explain some of the behaviors we see in deep learning? <laughs> I, I would not be surprised. <laughs> yeah, at right. all. yeah, I took a I took a deep learning class uh, last year or two years ago, and you know we were training models and looking at different graphs right it shows you graphs of how quickly the thing is learning to get to the right answer but then you see right. these like weird spikes or you know you know like a unexplainable divergence in the data set and they're like oh that just happens sometimes <laughs> <It's> <laughs> we, just don't, we can't really things. explain it you know it's <laughs> it's like a chaos theory thing maybe but i'm like okay we're seeing these little fluctuations no one can explain 
at these tiny scales, like in our like 10 lines of code. It's like, what happens when you scale this thing up, right? And you design a whole system, like automated transit system or something like that. You get Skynet. <laughs> yeah, you get like right? amplifications of those little, little discrepancies. I don't know. Yeah, I have, I have questions. It keeps me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> there, it sounds like there are a lot of things that keep you up at night. You should write these things down on a notepad. And, and I do. Maybe... <laughs> I, I try to empty my brain every night before I go to bed. So yeah. I, don't, you know. <laughs> I mean, I usually turn into weird stories and then I can write more books. That's what you do, right? You you take yeah. advantage of that. You know, active imaginations do, yeah. or such. But sometimes, sometimes it can make us a little paranoid. I mean, I I made the joke. I have made the joke several times that at some point. Google is going to buy Facebook. And when Google starts reading our Facebook posts the way they read our emails, then that's the day Skynet is born and they decide that humans are not worth the trouble. Right? It's, it's like this crazy feedback loop between exactly. two. Exactly. It's like we're going to like the two robots that were talking to yeah, each other. We're going to radicalize you <laughs> and then we're going to decide that you don't need to be around anymore. It's, you know, it, when social media starts talking to search engines, <laughs> right? Well, I'm like, I mean, nope. I'm gonna nope out of that one. <laughs> I I would love to disconnect completely from all of the different platforms and the and the digital spaces and whatnot. But you know that is a reality. You know, as a as a business owner, you have to be on social media platforms in order to promote your work and promote your product. I mean, you're, you're doing the, the web stuff in order to promote your book and you're, you're using the web through the, the QR codes to, to feed out the, yeah. the music soundtrack. Love hate relationship with technology. Yeah. It's one of those things <laughs> like, well, it's kind of a necessary evil, but it is evil. We're going to acknowledge that. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's definitely something that I don't think there are going to be any easy answers for. That's for no, sure. No, it isn't. I'm, I I wrestle with it. Um. So I decided to just do something small for this book because <laughs> you know my my other life, my non writing life, you know we're making full blown AR story apps and, and and things like that. But I'm like I'm just going to do like just to scan the code and you hear music for now. <laughs> Now, do you have any speaking engagements coming up? Are you going to be making any public appearances anytime soon that, that uh, we want to tell people about? Uh, I just finished one, unfortunately. <laughs> I did one last week for an augmented uh, um, conference. I think I have another one in June, maybe. I might, I might take a break because <laughs> I've done <laughs> a few talks um, over the last few months. Well, and now that you're a science fiction writer... Uh, you have the Comic-Con circuit that you're going to have to start getting involved in, right? Because you know, uh, now you have to start doing panels on augmented reality and virtual reality and 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 the implications in science fiction of the kind of stories you can tell and whatnot, right? Do some book I suppose signing. I must speak. I like to write. I don't like to talk so much, but another necessary evil. <laughs> now, is there a blog? Is is there a blog on your website or someplace else where you write about this kind of thing? Uh, I actually have been seriously thinking about doing that um, just because I, th I think um, I've realized that I've become kind of veteran in this in this space and I got in early and I, I should probably write about, you know, my perspective on there and not just wait for talks to do that. Right. I end up writing fiction, though. I was just want to write fiction. <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes fiction is a good way for us to examine examine a question without getting really too deeply personal with it. I mean, you look at something like 1984, for example, or mm -hmm. uh, Fahrenheit 451, or The Wizard of Oz. Even I mean, the, every everything has its has its roots in reality. But let's tell the let's tell the story as an allegory. So you know, I mean, Star Trek has done it for. You know, since the 60s. So it's it's not an unusual thing to be using science fiction to kind of point a mirror back at us and say, is this really where we want to be right now? So, so I what? I, I think uh, you're going to like my second book idea. It's like I, I had the idea while being in lockdown. I lost my job. The world was crazy, uncertain, mm -hmm. anxious. And it's like, you know what? I want to I want to create a story world in the near future where everything's over-engineered in society, complicated, events happen quickly, people are getting like computer implants to increase the speed of their thought. Oh, man. And I wanted to make the protagonist this therapist. In each chapter, 
she meets a different patient. And then we, you know, read about the arc of each patient. Some patients are human, some are AI, some are hybrids. And then the, the, the therapist treats them. And there's like a possible world ending event happening in one year, like in the backdrop to make everyone like super anxious. And <laughs> so is there a, are, are you prepared? Are you prepared for the collapse of civilization as we know it? Then do you have enough toilet paper and, and, and paper towels and, and oh, yeah, I got uh, a, I got a bug out bag <laughs> ready. <laughs> I have a, I, I have a truck. So my husband and I can grab our bug out bags, get some food and go. <laughs> we have a plan and a little notebook. What to do? When things collapse, yeah. if zombies hit, scenario one, if zombies come, here's the plans. <laughs> scenario two. Yeah, make sure you've got your rally point and all of that, right? <laughs> yeah, rally point. If we are in different locations when the event happens, what is? where do we want to meet? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, hopefully it doesn't come to that and we, we, can, we can stave off the AI and, and keep them from, from trying to kill us, right? Yeah, AI AI are friends. All right. Naomi Augustine is the author of the book Mixed Realities. When when does this come out? Is this actually out now or it's out. Yeah, it's, it's out. out. Okay. All right. And I will do my best to get a review very soon as opposed to sometime soon and uh, <laughs> we'll get that out and and uh, in the meantime you can check out the the website. Do we do we want to play the play the uh, trailer here let me see let me let me try to do this i want to make sure that it's i've got, got music is important so i made the trailer based right. using the music okay i'm gonna full screen this we will we will head out with the with the trailer here here we go There it is, Mixed Realities, the author, Naomi Augustine, and it is out now. Like I said, we will get a review put out as quickly as we can. And in the meantime, uh, we will uh, wear a number of other hats around here. I've got uh, plenty of things to, to keep me busy, Stone Martin Weasels notwithstanding. We're going to we'll make sure we beat those back. And I've got other reviews that are coming. So thanks very much to Naomi Augustine for uh, her time today. Uh, go check that book out. And the links are in our show notes for those of you who are interested in learning more about not just her book, but her work in augmented reality. And uh, the other augmented reality, social media reality, you can find us on a number of different platforms. And uh, I do encourage you to connect with us over on Odyssey. Sign up for our newsletter. If you're so inclined to uh, throw a little coin our way, we've got a tip jar over on PayPal. And we've got a Subscribestar account. And uh, we're looking at the possibility of memberships. But we'll see. I don't know. We'll 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 deal with that when we get there. Uh, d a reminder that this past Monday night, Mr. Harvey and I got back in in uh, in the show H two O podcast. We're talking about the challenge of recasting characters, and uh, coming up, of course, this weekend we've got a new Good Morning Multiverse with the week's headlines. And uh, we are back with another Foreign Bodies talking about horror made outside the United States. So uh, check those out. And in the meantime, uh, feel free to look around in our little neck of the multiverse and metaverse and 
look at our videos here and if you've got feedback, you can leave a comment. You can send us an email, live from the bunker at sci fi for me.com. And we will do this all again. I will leave you with this question Is this real life? Is this just fantasy? Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.